I'd like to start today by thanking you all for listening in and especially those people downloading. I want to say a big shout out to everyone in the UK, the US, the UAE, Germany, France, Ireland, Canada, Australia, because those are the places that are picking up my podcast. So thank you so much. And if your country isn't mentioned, have a download and then you'll get onto the list too. So the topic for today is something called the Mandela effect after Nelson Mandela. And I'm going to start not by telling you what the Nelson Mandela effect is, but asking you a few simple questions. And these questions actually are all about films and television series, so you'll know exactly what I mean. So the first one is, can you tell me the name of the film where this quote comes from? Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Well, actually, it doesn't come from any film whatsoever. If you're thinking of the Star Wars films, you're in the right ballpark because the true quote was, no, I am your father. Okay, have a go at this one. Thinking about uh, a really old-time film, thinking about uh, Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart. Can you tell me the famous line from that film? What's the famous quote that people always say when they talk about Casablanca? Well, actually, the famous quote that people say is, play it again, Sam. But nowhere in that film does anybody say, play it again, Sam. Humphrey Bogart says, you played it for her, now play it for me. Okay, this one, I want you to name the television series that this comes from. So here's the quote, beam me up, Scotty. So you're probably getting the idea by now that the trap is to say Star Trek. But as you probably kind of cottoned on, it's not Star Trek. Because it was never, ever said by Captain Kirk. He never, ever said, beam me up, Scotty. He said lots of different variants on that, but he never actually said those words. Okay, the last one. You remember the film E.T.? What's the big strap line from E.T.? What's the quote that we all think of? You're probably thinking of E.T. phone home. But actually, in the film, E.T. doesn't say that. He says, E.T. home phone. So what's going on that we remember these quotes that you know, we've known for years and years, they're very, very identifiable to certain films and television shows and so on. And we all think the same. And we all think we've heard these quotes. But what is going on that we we would really believe it? And, and maybe you want to even kind of go through the scripts or listen to the the films all over again and watch them and just see if you can identify what what is actually said at that point. Well, this brings me on to the Mandela effect. 
Mandela effect is all about believing something to be true because it, it may look true, it may feel true, it may sound true. And it's a false memory. So these false memories can be events that never happened or they can be memories that we distort or we warp in some way. It comes from the fact that in 2009, a lady called Fiona Broom found huge numbers of people who thought Nelson Mandela, the former South African president, had died in prison in the 1980s. So he was imprisoned, as we know, um, for a long, long time, from the 60s through the 70s and into the 80s. Um, But they remember him actually passing away in prison. And it was a huge percentage. I haven't got the number, but, you know, it was a huge percentage of people who were quite convinced that Nelson Mandela never left prison. In actual fact, most of us hopefully remember that Nelson Mandela did leave prison and he became the president of South Africa. Um, But, you know, the fact that so many people believe something that has nothing to do with the truth. And this is called the Nelson Mandela effect, or sometimes just the Mandela effect, because this was the first time it was noticed that huge amounts of people believed this quite strongly. And and they had memories to back it up. You know, they, they knew where they were on the day they found out. They knew what they were doing. Now, what causes this Mandela effect? And I want to obviously turn this around so we can talk about false memories in riders as well. Well, what causes it is that first of all, we get primed to something. Um, And then that suggestion enters our head. So for instance, if somebody said to you, did you borrow my blue saddlecloth? As they say it, you as the listener get a picture in your head of borrowing the blue saddlecloth. And that is enough for a suggestion to enter your mind, which may match another memory. It may link to another memory. You may have in the past borrowed somebody's blue saddlecloth or a saddlecloth, or maybe you borrowed this one, but it was weeks and weeks ago. So your your mind is kind of pattern matching. It's saying, okay, what is this the nearest occasion to? And when it does that, it almost creates a whole new memory. And the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So the false memory feels and seems quite real, as real as any other memory. If the false memory then has elements of truth in it, it makes it even stronger. So if you did, for instance, borrow that saddle cloth at some point, then at some point that was true. It just strengthens up that memory. And you can almost believe yourself into remembering it. So talking about these false memories and putting it into a riding context 
if you have a false memory, and whether that's wholly untrue or it's a memory that got distorted, it might have lodged in your memory because there was also an emotion there as well. So if we think about it being a negative emotion, because usually they are, because the happy emotions, we're we're quite pleased at having those. We don't need to bother too much about changing those. And the false memories that are linked to happy memories, you know, sometimes they're just there because um, it, it was a nicer way to think about the the memory, think about the time, embellish it a little bit. Um, but if we consider the negative memory and the negative emotion that strengthens it, then imagine that you could get rid of that emotion and the memory, that charge, that importance disappears in such a way that you recover what you distorted. Wouldn't that be something? And there's other ways that a memory can change it might be down to somebody else's influence on you. Um, and it might be that an unkind comment, for example, distorted something great. So you've had a, a really fabulous day. Um, you've had a great ride. You really enjoyed it. And you get a put down from somebody. And that skews it. That changes then because you start to think again about the negatives and it's distorted that memory for you. Social media can even change your memories. Imagine that you've just, let's say, jumped a course of jumps and you feel really good. You feel excellent. You know, it's a real achievement. You feel really great. And somebody else puts on social media that they've just done a competition, they've just jumped five foot jumps, they've got beautiful pictures of the horse arching over these huge jumps. And all of a sudden, your course of jumps feels like it was insignificant and it wasn't good enough and you'll never get to jump these huge jumps And that memory again gets a little bit skewed. So I suppose my question to you is, what memories are you basing any negative feelings or negative beliefs about yourself on? So have you got a certain amount of self-doubt, let's say, or a lack of self-belief? or a lack of self-confidence. What collection of memories or what single memory are you basing your doubts and lack of belief and lack of confidence on? And how true are those memories? Has the memory been altered from reality? Most psychologists agree that basing your thoughts on memories is not great. (laughs) Um, It usually 
involves us being quite challenging and critical towards ourselves. So how do we recognise a false memory? Because this is quite tricky. It's not easy. It's not easy to do on your own to kind of defog your memory because most memories are inaccurate, even the happy ones and the trivial ones. How many times have you thought you've done something when you left the house only to find you didn't? You know, did you turn all the light switches off? Did you put the washer on? And you get home and there's the washer. It's all ready with the clothes and you even put the washing liquid in, but you didn't switch it on. How many times have you thought that you've really done that? You you know, you locked the gate, you switched something off, you definitely turned your headlights off, all of these things. But when it comes to it, you hadn't done what you thought. So when we think about our false memories, it, it is difficult to tease them out. But when you think about when the memory was made, you need to ask yourself for the perspective. You need to think about whether that perspective that you're looking at was skewed by something or someone. You know, if somebody got, let's say, 70% in their dressage test, are they focusing on the 30% they did not get? Or are they focusing on the 70% that they did get? So that's what I mean by perspective. It's almost glass half full, glass half empty. What has your brain kind of snapped to? What memories, what other patterns it snapped to to make you feel that you can doubt yourself or that you can feel a lack of self-belief or lack of self-confidence? And sometimes it's useful to get somebody else's perspective on this, somebody who was with you at the time. And just as, you know, a fun exercise to see what do you remember about this and see if how it compares with your memory. And if most memories are inaccurate or skewed or contain deletions or even insertions and generalizations, and you're basing some cruel or harsh thoughts about yourself on those memories, perhaps it's time to consider the value of those memories and take a step back. So what I want you to do is just, if you can, if you're not driving or riding at the moment, if you're just sitting still and you've got a moment I want you to take one of those memories that you're not quite sure about, that you're wondering if you really did skew the memory, or maybe you know that you did. Just something that feels like it could be a little bit inaccurate, or looking at it from the wrong angle. And I want you to think about that memory. And as you think about that memory, do you have a picture in your head? 
picture that represents that. And all I want you to do now is to just imagine yourself now as a little tiny ladybird on the ceiling or high in the sky floating on a cloud. And you're looking down on yourself in this scenario. And you're quite high, but at a nice, comfortable height. And you're looking down on the event as it unfolds. And as it unfolds in front of you, and you're looking from this very different perspective, high up in the rafters, high on the ceiling, high on a cloud, you're starting to see things differently, feel things differently, think things differently. And maybe there's a possibility that things weren't quite as you imagined. Maybe you've been too self-critical. Maybe somebody else's comment was really cruel, unkind, unwarranted or inappropriate. And so have a little think now about that situation. Okay, now come back into yourself. And I want you to just think now about that that situation, that memory that could have been false. Does it feel a little bit more false? A little bit weaker? A little bit less charged? How about the emotion? Is that a little bit less? Is that different? This is a great little exercise to practice when you want to take a different perspective. Simply imagine yourself floating up above the scene as an interested observer, but not a participant. It really alters the way you think and the way you feel, and it diminishes that emotional charge that you put onto the memory. Thanks ever so much for listening. Take care, and I will see you again very soon.